How's it going, lads? And welcome back to the Spore Situation. So today is episode seven, I believe. Um, for those who have listened or have seen on Twitter or on your Spotify or Apple podcast feed, we're officially back with the Spore Situation. So I released episode six last night, which was Thursday the tenth. Yeah, Thursday the tenth. And that was kind of, it was a it was a really short episode. It wasn't, like I said last night, it wasn't a proper episode, um, to say the least. It was more just a return episode to give everybody listening an understanding of why I took a break from recording for a while and basically what the future plans are for the podcast. So basically just to sum that up really quick, um... I'm planning going forward on doing at least one episode a week. Um, it'll probably be sometime, maybe towards, I'm probably going to be looking at either Tuesday or Friday. Because um, at least then we can either do like a recap of the weekend. And then, you know, obviously we're playing Europa League on Thursday or Cup Games on Tuesday or Wednesday. It's, um, it's a look ahead to them as well. So that's kind of the plan going forward is to have the one episode. And then, of course... If I do find I have the time or the availability to do it, or even if I just want to do the second episode a week, they'll be considered, you know, bonus episodes. So they'll probably be covering things like um the all or nothing. Now, saying that we we'll probably end up covering that in the weekly episodes either way, but I suppose that might be a bit more of an in-depth look and maybe some something similar to a rewatchable. So yeah, so that's kind of the plan now. Um some of the other content I kind of covered last night was just a brief look at um at our game and the next few games um this weekend and the next few weeks so as well as kind of going over um our signing so far and um, what the club needs and what the team needs going forward into this season but um what i kind of wanted to do because i had finished so abruptly um i don't believe i had we had even reached the end of the season by the time i'd stopped recording I didn't want to obviously go back and necessarily go through game by game and, you know, break them all down. It's at this stage, it's old news. You know, we need to be looking forward to the new season. So what this episode basically basically going to be is a season review of um, of last season, you know, um, starting all the way back in last August. Jesus, more than 13 months ago. Um, yeah, in August 2019. And of course, finishing in August 2020, uh, maybe towards the back end of July 2020. So today I'll be recapping that season, you know, going over the highs and lows and some of the key highlights and maybe some of the things we might have not necessarily forgotten about. But I don't know, kind of try to look at the pos- as many positives as we can. And once we're finished up with the season review, we're going to have a look at the 2020-2021 season preview. Um. So then I'll be looking more in depth at the transfers that we've made, um, our squad and the depth that we'll have or what we'll need um, for this season. As well as kind of what, not just my expectations are for the season, but what the club and the fans collectively should be expecting and wanting from this season. Um, you know, it's what we want and what we expect are two different things most of the time but if we're a big club they should go hand in hand more times than not and you know that's the way i'll be looking at it but you know we get more into that later on in the episode so you know today's going to be a 
a nice lengthy episode to say we're looking at close to an hour. Um, so yeah, so again, like I said last night, thanks very much for all the support and you know all the kind messages I got when I was recording this, and even you know even some of the feedback I got from last night was a uh, was really nice. So I'm glad to be back, and you know let's get into the episode. So looking back at last season, um. You know, it, it goes without saying, and it's it's something that all all of us would be agreeing with here. Um, it was definitely it was a rough season. Um, it was a rougher season than I think we've experienced in quite a long time. Um, you know, at least going back to to before the Pochettino Pochettino era. Um, but saying that, you know, we've we've had our positives, we've had our ups and downs. Um. But overall, you know, it, the season was, it was kind of a bummer. Um, and, you know, I don't think anybody expected the Pochettino sacking so early on in the season. Um, you know, we have been we had been screaming at the club to, to back Poch in the windows. And fair enough, we did go out and get um, Don Bele and Lo Celso last summer. But I think if you're going to bring in them players and, you know, Pochettino was a successful manager, even if we hadn't won any trophies, we were we were heading in the right direction as a club. Um although twenty nineteen was a bad year for us in in retrospect, um I I don't know. I, I, I don't think anybody anybody expected that at the time. But you know, starting off that season, yeah, like this the seven two against Bourne kind of screams out straight away as probably probably the fourth nail in the coffin. Um in terms of Pochettino being gone we didn't really go up from there you know a string of bad performances and bad results kind of led to where we ultimately ended up but thankfully even looking at the negatives the positives still came along so you know losing a manager like Pochettino and although we still miss him we brought in Jose Mourinho who I don't think anybody expected even more so than Pochettino being sacked um Jose, you know, we all know he's a serial he's a serial winner. He's won trophies at every club he's been at. When you look at after his Porto days, if you're looking at that as the real start of his career, his least successful stint was with Manchester United. And even at that, he won FA Cups, he won Europa Leagues, and I think he got them as high as second in the league. So if we're we're a club that's looking for silverware and, you know, we want to be up there with the best of the best. So I'd be expecting silverware under Jose. And I, you know, I, I, he came in the door expecting that. And I think the players and the board should be expect, expecting that with this season as well and be, be fighting for that. But, um, you know, so the way I'm going to structure this, uh, season review. So I'm going to go competition by competition and then kind of finish up with, um, what the season highlights were, what who the awards per se, top goal scorer, top assists, etc., and kind of finish up with my, my personal um awards are as well as uh Jose and his record. So start off with the Premier League. We of course finished sixth, um, but when you look at it from when Jose came into the club, we were fourth in points earned um since Jose was appointed as I said. 
and even post lockdown, you're looking at a record of uh, five wins, three draws, and one loss. Uh, picking up 18 out of 27 possible points, so not too bad. Um, you know, 18 out of 27 in the grand scheme of things isn't very good. There, out of them three draws, especially the one at Palace, um, we should have been finishing the season on a high, and that should have been a win. They, we had opportunities in that game to go out and get the win. Um, but saying that, um, I think some of our wins, you know, including the likes of Arsenal, Leicester, Everton, they were they were good wins. They were wins that the club needed. And you know, even trying to think back there a few months ago, I feel like us as a fan base kind of had like a a mini meltdown. At that stage, um, I think it was shortly after the, the Sheffield United loss, and with that being the only loss post-lockdown, um, I don't think... <laughs> I think it might have been slightly an overreaction. Because I think... Although we should have went down, Sheffield at, at the time were rivals for top six, and we should have went out there, played a better game, got the three points, but... When you're looking at that record, although some of the draws could have been wins, like, like I said, Palace being one of them, it wasn't too bad because we'd come back. We kind of benefited a little bit from the lockdown because, of course, we had um Hyung Min Son out, we had Harry Kane, um, Musa Sissoko all injured. Actually, I think Bergvine might have been part of that as well. So we had them come back fit. But you still have to remember that they had some of them had extended layoffs even before the season had had stopped. So them coming back into the fold and as well as every other player trying to get back into the swing of things, um, it was never going to be easy. As well as it still being uh Jose's first season. So do you know I still think we did see the positives even after the lockdown in um in picking up the eighteen points and f- at least finishing in Europa League spot. You know, of course, we were targeting top four, but it wasn't meant to be. Um, but at least we still got European football. Because I think, you know, some of us do give out of, give out about um, being in the Europa League. You know, tourists and football traveling out um, far into Eastern Europe, it can, it can have a toll on the squad. You know, even looking at next week, I think, where are we going to Bulgaria? Um, so, you know, it can have its cons, but I think... It would have looked very bad for the club. Um, reputation was not having any European football at all, as well as being a massive hit financially. So, you know, I'll, we can be thankful that at least we made it to the Europa League. Um, in what was a roller coaster of a season, um, to say the very least. But kind of looking at then a few of the negatives from our Premier League finish. You know, we finished in the top six, like I said, but in the top six we had the least goals scored than any of the teams and the second most goals conceded so you know that's that shows that we have a lot of gaps in our game still um you know like i said harry kane was injured i believe from january um son was in and out of lineups and of course he was suspended uh for part of the season and you know we we did go we went through the mill um in injury wise and we never really found that consistency because of that. Um, and with Jose still trying to find his feet and find his best 11. So I'm not too concerned with that record because I know we, we know what the club and what this team is capable of. You know, we have 
a really strong team now and we had a strong team last year it was more just a matter of trying to figure things out and i think now heading into jose's first season and um, picking up the players that we did we should be able to improve on that i think if we can make home and um, way heart lane a fortress and bolster up the defense a little bit we have plenty of attack going forward we should be scoring more goals as well as Shutting up shop, shop, shutting up shop a little bit and um, conceding less. But yeah, that's for the Premier League. Um, you know, of course, then we move on to the Champions League, which again was another miserable campaign. You know, it's crazy to think we were in the Champions League final last year, and of course that was that was a fairy tale, really, when you think about it. You know, getting through in the circumstances that we did in the group stage with um. With PSV doing us a favour and uh or, or was it Inter Milan that done us a favour? I don't it was either one boy no um it was dramatic circumstances even to get out of the group. Then of course we had the massive performance against Dortmund, the great game at uh, the eight he had to get through to the semis, and then of course Lucas Moura in uh that night in Amsterdam. So do you know to be in the Champions League final one season and then to have such a miserable Champions League campaign the following season, it it was a bummer. Um, you know, so we get drawn into a group that was a relatively nice group for us. You know, being um in pot two, of course we did get drawn in with Bayern, who you know eventually went on to win the Champions League, and even their win against Barcelona should have made our seven two loss a little bit easier to the stomach. But of course, you know, we had a poor group of group performance, losing 7-2 to Bayern um, at home and 3-1 away. But we did make it through in second place with good wins over Olympiacos and Red Star Belgrade. Um, actually, a few hoists, I think it was 5-0 and 4-0 against Red Star Belgrade in them two games. So we still, we got through nicely, thankfully. Um, but, you know, to go into the round of 16 then against an RB Leipzig side too, nobody was writing off. You know, RB Leipzig were still a great side. They were, I think at the time, they were second in the league, still sniffing right behind Bayern Munich. And nobody was writing them off. But at the same time, we could have been drawn against tougher teams. To go out 4-0 on aggregate and put up two absolutely shocking performances doesn't really sit right with me and it didn't sit right with the fan base at the time um we didn't look like a unit i think thinking back you know i think there's a couple of opportunities that we might have had in the first half of the second game and ultimately the goal came down to poor defending more times than not um but we just didn't look we didn't look like a cohesive unit and um, some of the passing was very poor the players didn't really seem motivated, and especially I think it was 1-0 in the first leg, so you know, we should have came out the second leg and thinking that we can turn it around, but of course, you know conceding three and things started to fall apart around us, and that, if I'm thinking correctly, that kind of started that awful run then, running into um the season shutting down and you know, that kind of we see that now moving on to the FA Cup, and we did have that awful run running into um the season stopping with the likes of uh, the Burnley result and going out against Norwich and there just should have been better performances. Do you know I understand it was bad form and teams go through that, but 
you know, it, it just it should have been better. Um, and I'd hope that we have a better performance this year in the Europa League. So looking at the FA Cup, um, and you know we've we've been reminded that this week and uh, watching the yeah uh, all or nothing doc, but the third and fourth round went to the re- went to replays, even though we're against not weak opposition, but opposition that we shouldn't have had a problem with. Um, so obviously we had Middlesbrough in the third round and Southampton in the fourth round. Um, getting getting through on on them replays, but then getting to Norwich in, in the fifth round at home, but losing on penalties. Um, like Norwich went down last year twenty in the league. Like they had they still have some good players there with like some Max Aaron's and I think uh, Jamal Lewis. Um, then has gone on to Newcastle, uh, team of Pookie, but. Losing to Norwich in that fashion just it put a, a stamp on the season. You know, it was the final nail in the coffin for the season because that came out a few weeks after the Champions League and we were in bad form in the Premier League. We kind of top four was starting to look out of our reach and it was just another, it was our last opportunity at Silverware for the season and it just, it, it wasn't... It definitely didn't help the motivation of the team, and it certainly didn't uh, help those fans get behind the team. And then, yeah, just moving on to this last competition, the Carabao Cup. We'll just say Colchester, and we'll leave it at that. Um, we don't need to say any more on the Carabao Cup other than Colchester. So, moving on to. Do you know what? I'll, I'll start with Jose's record and then I'll move on to the rest. So, Jose's record so far, and um, we'll kind of try to evaluate him so far in this stint with Tottenham. So, he's played 37 games in all competitions, which is an awful lot for um, a manager that didn't come in the first full season. So, 37 games um, in all competitions. So, in them eight. 37 games, it was 18 wins, 9 draws and 10 losses, which was a win percentage of about 48-49%. In that time, you know, we've had some big wins. You know, we obviously he started with the win at West Ham and we beat Bournemouth. Um, obviously, second half of the season, we then had the likes of a win against Man City, against Arsenal and Everton and Leicester. So, you know, we, we still did get a few great games throughout the season. Um, but yeah, forty-eight, 49% we'll round up from 49% uh, win percentage. What I didn't know was that's the lowest win percentage that Jose has as a manager since he managed Unao Deliria, which was the club he managed before Porto, where he had a win record of 45%. So you're talking every club he has managed after that, he has had a higher win percentage. I actually think all of them are above 50. Um, the lowest being maybe 51 in the second stint with Chelsea, if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, so, I, I still think he can improve. You know, like I said, I have full faith in Jose coming in this season. His first full year with the squad. He's hopefully after bringing in players that he wants to bring in. Um, and, you know, we've seen it even in the documentary that the the players are coming around him. Do you know, it's Jose Mourinho is a great. He does get stick in the media, 
but we've seen that he is a great manager behind closed doors and we can see what he wins just by looking at his resume. Um, so I do believe that if anybody is going to win as a trophy right now, it's going to be Jose and I have full faith and respect that he can he can deliver. So let's just fingers crossed that he comes away this season. We're looking at the season this time next year and saying, you know what, that's, that's a winner right there. He's the one that's have that deliverance over silverware back to the club. Yeah, so then moving on to the season highlights. Do you know, I say highlights. We're clutching our straws here, but um, these were kind of just the the highs and lows of the season. Some of the stuff that we can look back on and say, "Geez, we're we're really happy with that." But then, obviously, you know. Some of that comes with the the bad stuff as well. Um, so of course we started the season first day um at home to Aston Villa, and we we got the win thankfully. But of course that came with Dombele's um debut as well as a debut goal. We moved on to the seven two loss at Bayern, which um was the turning point in our season and in the direction that the club was going in. Um, evidently. Which ultimately led to Pochettino being sacked and incoming Jose Mourinho. But then we look ahead and we have Tangangas, uh, Jaffa Tangangas for senior appearance, as well as Troy Parrott's for senior appearance. So, you know, I believe that these two lads are certainly ones for the future. Um, you know, obviously Troy's gone out on loan this year, and I believe that's going to be absolutely essential to his development and I hope he does really well at Millwall I have full faith that he will and then of course Jaffet um, he had some amazing performances last year even going back as far as um, the pre-season tournament the Audi Cup I remember having a great performance against uh, Juventus and actually being the man mark in Ronaldo so you know we have so much potential and so many youth players coming through now with these two, I think, being the cream of the crop. Um, I really do think that these are going to be the future of the club, maybe five, four or five years down the line. So fingers crossed we can see them grow with the club and hopefully be part of this club's history um, a long way in the future. And then kind of just finishing up um, with these highlights, you know, we had, um, of course, Bergvine's debut versus Man City and of course getting that the winning goal as well and that being a great start to his sports career as well I I really do race Steven Bergwijn and I think he has an awful lot to offer at his club and still so young and still has an awful lot of that raw potential that I really think he can he can be a great player for us um for years going forward and then what I already discussed um from post lockdown, of course, we got them um, that big win against Arsenal in the North London Derby when we needed to win the most, and yeah, finishing up in sixth place. So, to wrap up this uh, season review, we have our awards. So, what I've literally just done is I've compiled who's um who's our top goal scorer, our top assist leader, our most tackles, our most passes. And our most key passes made, as well as who my 
player of the year was, who my disappointment of the year was, and my rising stars. So, to get kicking off, um, top goal scorer, it's only one man it would be, um, Harry Kane, who scored 24 goals in 34 games, which is a considerably good record for a striker who was in and out of lineup with injury. Um, of course, you know, he came back from a long-term injury and then after the lockdown as well and tried to get the form going. Now, didn't play as well as I'd hoped he would um, post-lockdown, but at the same time, you know, players need their own time to recover and I, I really hope now with the, even if it was just a short recovery time, from when the season ended and of course it's time with England I hope he's going to come back fresher than ever and have one of his best seasons in a Spurs jersey yeah so then our top assist leader was Hyung Min Sun with 12 assists in 41 games in all competitions um Hyung Min Sun I believe he's he's one of the best players at the club and one of the best players in the league his talent and his work rate his, his work last you know the goals he has scored for Spurs, the chances he's popped up with, um, some of the key plays he started and he's you know laid on the final pass. He's just he's a model professional. He's a model player. Um, unbelievable. You know he's he's an untouchable player in my eyes for the club, and I ne- I really hope we don't see him go. Um, so really. Fingers crossed we see him at Spurs for a long time in the future. And I think he's going to be really important for us this year. So most tackles um, was a surprise for me. And then I I started understanding the numbers a little bit more. So most tackled was Serge Aurier with 66 tackles won. Now, <laughs> you're thinking the same thing I was thinking. There's no way Serge Aurier could have had the most tackles. Well, he did. <laughs> but he had a low percentage. <laughs> so, he completed 66 tackles. He won 66 tackles. From 109. Some notable players that had better percentages than him. Was uh, Harry Winks. Musa Sissoko. Davinson Sanchez. Giovanni Lo Celso. Deli Ali. Toby. You know, so the number may be a little bit inflated. I think that 109 <laughs> is kind of from the opposition really targeting him as the weak point in the in the team. You know, so that that number is a little bit inflated. And like I said, it's a it's a low success rate when you when you do the maths. Then most passes was Toby Toby Alderweireld with 1,854 across all competitions. That's a success rate of 83.3%. Now there was players in the team that had a higher um percentage, and I actually think the highest being Harry Winks, who might have had close to 88 or 89. But this is it's a bit it's a bit of a different situation to Serge Aurier, whereas Toby was a high volume passer with a, a really high um success rate. So we'll give him that crown. And then, lastly, most key passes. I think you probably can imagine who it was from earlier. Um, it's Young Min Son with forty-eight key passes made in all competitions. So there kind of could there could have been a few different stats that could have pulled for that. Those um progressive passes. Um, 
I think key passes kind of summed up what Arch, like almost chances created. Um, so yeah, Chung Min Sun at forty eight. You know, we've we've already discussed um how great of a player he is and what he will be in the future with us. So finishing up with my awards, um. I won't stick too long on the on the player of the year because I've already given him all the credit. It's um Young Min Sun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I won't even hang around. Uh Young Min Sun. Unbelievable talent, unbelievable player, and I hope to see more of the same this year with him. Um my disappointment of the year was Delhi Ali. Um and I think an awful lot of fans will agree with me on that. So before Jose came in and you know even the season beforehand, he had not been a great player for us. Um, I think we've kind of seen a little bit of a step back in terms of his performance and his work rate. Um, I believe he has the talent there, and I believe he has the work ethic, but we're just not really seeing that on the pitch at the moment. Um, and I know we've seen now with the documentary that Jose has targeted him for being the laziest in training, and maybe you know some of that comes down to it that. He has the talent and he knows he has the talent, but he's not willing to work on it and kind of get ready for it in training. So maybe, you know, maybe that's that's what it comes down to. But like I said, I know that Delhi has bags of potentially, has bags of talent, and I know he can step up to the plate when he needs to. So I have no doubt that he's going to improve that this season. And that he'll be a very big and important player for us. And we'll start seeing the Deli Alley that we all know and love this season more than the last couple of seasons anyways. And then last but not least, my rising star. Um, I couldn't I couldn't pick between the two because I really think that these two players are going to be huge players for us, not only this season, but for the coming years if, um, if it all works out. So... One that I've already touched on was Jaffet Tanganga. Um, for such a young player, he has bags of talent, bags of potential. He's been such a clean and tidy and polished player, so composed. Like his debut came against Liverpool, and like I said, even looking back at last year, was playing against Juventus and Mark and Ronaldo. And you wouldn't believe that this kid was only out of the academy. Really, he's a sensational talent, and I really think he has the makings of being the next anchor in our back line. Um, I think even having Ledley King now in that in the dressing room with him should just be an excellent mentor for him and he should rub off on um, his talent and skills for the future. Um, my last one being Tangi Ndombele. Um, unfortunately, we didn't see much of him this year. Um, you know, there's been an awful lot of uh, stories and rumours and speculation around what his situation is at the club and whether he's going to be here um, next season and the season after. But I think all that is just noise. Um, I know that's very hard. It's very easy to get caught up in the media speculation. But at the same time, we've seen players like look at Musa Sissoko, look at Eric Lamella, um, look at even Youngman's son. These are players that didn't play very well in their first season with the club. And we've seen major turnarounds. And I think with Dombele being that bit younger and maybe even, you know, even things like having the price tag on his head and with a disrupted season is going to have an impact on him. 
but we've seen how good he can be and that even as somebody that still has some raw talent and raw potential there so i really hope to see an improvement in him this year and i i really 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 hope we do because i think if he can turn a page and be the player that he can really potentially be at this club the league isn't ready the league won't be ready for Tangy Don Billy if he uh, if he figures it all out. So getting into the season preview for this year, it's I feel like it's gonna be a turning point um in the club's history. Um when we look when we look back a few years later, um the way we've kind of set up now for this season, you know, we have a world-class manager in Jose Mourinho. We have some world-class players when um, you look at like the Harry Kane, Hyungmin Son, Toby Alderweireld, even to like players like Hugo Lloris and... Well, uh, <laughs> I was going to say in some regard, uh, players like Lucas Moura, but I wouldn't say that quite there. Just He's quite there. Um, but, you know, we have depth all the way down um, in most of our positions and some of the players that are there are either top class talent right now or they have the potential to be world class talent in a couple of years time um, but regardless you know I think an awful lot of the players we have now are ready to contribute and they're going to be important valuable players to our success and to our season right now and I suppose that kind of starts with the players that we've brought in so, you know, I touched on this um, earlier and even yesterday's short podcast, but I suppose today to go into more detail, we'll start with the transfers and our incomings and outgoings. So our first one was, well, maybe not the first signing in the door, but, well, okay, we'll go in, we'll go in chronological order. So Joe Hart, um, of course, we all know Joe, um, former Premier League winner at Man City, former England number one. We get him in on a free transfer. He's uh, 33 years old now. I believe he's a great dressing room presence. Um, he's going to be great for some of the young guys there. Um, and, you know, like I said yesterday, it's, it's going to be a tough season. It's going to be mentally tough as well as physically tough. And I think having that another dressing room presence there and someone that some of the players can lean on, as well as, you know, having him available if we ever did need it, you know, like we've seen. Injuries can happen with, of course, Hugo last year and Gazaniga didn't play too well um, in his absence. So having options there and having experience there is always uh, is always good, especially the fact that we got him on a free. And, you know, like I said, he's, a, he's an experienced player. He's a Premier League winner. He's won trophies, FA Cups, and um, I suppose at the time it was a Capital One Cup with Man City. England number one, he's played at World Cups, he's won he's played at Euros, um so you know plenty of experience there and I think he's a he's a solid addition and a solid backup. Then of course we bring in um Pierre Emil Heuberg for Heubier for fifteen million or three million, depending on which way you want to look at it, but um either way is a bargain. So we bring him in from Southampton with Kyle Walker Peters going the other way. So Pierre Emil Heubier, he's a 25 year old holding midfielder. Um, came out of Bayern Academy and moved to Southampton. Um, maybe that was three, four years ago at this stage. So, of course, you know, 
a Bayern Academy graduate. Um, we know he has the talent and we know he has the potential. And, you know, of course, he's been Southampton's captain. So we know he has the leadership qualities. And we've even seen that firsthand, you know, from watching from watching him play and watching Southampton come against us. You know, they've given us a few good games over the last couple of years. So, you know, we know exactly what he can do. But, you know, he's... He's a player that has 33 caps for Denmark, so we know he can do it on the international stage as well. Um, I personally like, <clears throat> I personally like how like composed he is on the ball. Um, has a little bit of a, a fight in him, which I like. You know, he's he's quite aggressive. Um, has a bit of tenacity to him, which is which is really good. You know, you kind of need that. Um, but for the most part, he's composed. He's polished. Um, great leadership, like I said, and. Overall, a really, really solid addition there in the midfield. And I think having him there, whether he's paired with Adamdele or Sissoko, even having him paired behind a low shell, so it was a, would be a really good option. So, yeah, again, another really good um, signing for the team. And then we finished up with Matt Doherty. So, roughly around £15 million as the reported fee, of course, in from Wolves. Um, 28-year-old right back and, of course, you know, more favourably in a, a wing-back position for Wolves and, of course, that'll probably be the role he will be playing for us. Um, Absolutely excellent player going forward with the ball and um, brilliant in pass, passing and crossing ability. Of course, we've seen him. Um, he's gotten some great Premier League experience under his belt as well as European experience at Wolves. Um, I kind of touched on it yesterday, but I think going forward in his position he's second best only to Trent Alexander-Arnold at this stage um, excellent going forward but even um, on the defensive side of the ball he's a, he's a really solid and composed defender um, at 28 years old adds a lot of experience to the team and you know that's something we needed he's a lot less panicky um, in high pressure situations compared to what we've seen obviously with Serge Aurier. Um so I think this is definitely a, a big hole that's been plugged. And you know, like I said with last season, Serge Aurier com- completed the most tackles, but it's because teams target um that side of the pitch. And I think teams will think twice this season now having Darty there um inst- instead of Aurier. But you know, I think that's that was one of our problem areas in the team and now that we've plugged that gap it's it's going to mean an awful lot and we should see the benefit of that in in this season now saying that that's the three players we've brought in and as welcome as they have been we are still missing some players um so i believe we're missing i was going i have wrote down here a backup striker but actually as i'm recording this Jose has came out today and says that he doesn't like the term backup um, because he wants a striker to play alongside Harry um, when needs be. So I kind of like that, you know, that may, that may even entice um, some of the more high-profile strikers to want to come to Spurs knowing that they're not playing second fiddle. So we are still missing that striker because, you know, when we move on to the depth of the team, we only have one natural striker. Um you know, of course, we know that Son and Lucas can play further off the pitch and they can play in that attacking role, but we need natural strikers. We can't be using that as an excuse. Um, I said, you know, I think we need to we need to go out into the market and we've seen rumours over the last week linking us with... Uh, I can't pronounce his first name and I'm not even going to try insult him by butchering it, um, but Milik, um, the Polish striker off Napoli. 
I think he's been a player that I've actually really liked and um, admired from afar. You know, I haven't seen much of him play, but when I have, he has been a really nice player. Um, of course, left foot striker, dangerous in the box. Even we've seen some banging goals from outside the box. Uh, you can kind of strike from distance. Has a little bit of a skill to me. Kind of reminds me, um, kind of a little bit like a a Berbatov, a Berbatov um type striker. You know, he's not. You're not going to see him running around the pitch the way you would see Harry Kane, but when he gets it, he just makes it look easy, um, which actually should be a really nice uh, dynamic to have playing alongside Harry Kane. And of course, you know, we brought in Matt Doherty, um, who of course we know kind of swing in balls and kind of cause a, a bit of a mix-up in the box. So having them balls swinging in, whether it's from... Dorothy on the right or Davis and Sesson Young on the left um, into Harry Kane and potentially a Milik would uh, be really, really dangerous. Um, I also believe we still need a left-back. I know we've been linked with um, that player, Relegoon, but I, I think what I've seen from Fabrizio Romano, it's uh, he favoured the move to Man United, if at all possible. And see, I still believe we need that left-back because... Danny Rose being um being on the chopping block and of course you know um he's not he's not a good present at the club and I think I'll he'll be we won't miss Danny Rose you know he's he's given us some great years um you know when you think back of what, that year with him and Kyle Walker as probably the two best fullbacks in the league and his debut goal against Arsenal you know he's given us some good memories but I think he's a player that's outside as welcome. He's been I think he's just been a pain in the arse really, um the past few years, so and we've we've seen that even in the documentary, so I'll be glad to see him gone. Um but at the same time, you know, if Jose's gonna be favouring Cessna Young uh further up the pitch, we need somebody that can fill in that gap where Ben Davis is just in case there ever was an injury or like I said, you know, it's gonna be a long grueling season. So we need a bit of depth there. So hopefully we can go out and buy somebody before then. Um, as far as outgoings, um, you know, like I said, Kyle Walker Peters has gone to Southampton, and you know that's kind of facilitated a fee, facilitated a transfer for Hybier. So really good, you know, Kyle Walker Peters. He's been a good servant. Um, he's gotten his opportunities on their potch. Um, wasn't as good. He wasn't as um successful as I once imagined he'd be. Um at the club but look listen he's he's had some good games and I wish him all the best at Southampton but um now as far as other outgoings you know having Rose leaving now I should open up a bit of money hopefully in the books and allow maybe one more two more transfers and I think it's going to be a great benefit to the dressing room it's just going to remove some of that negativity we don't need that we don't need that in the dressing room and especially starting off the season it'd be a nice clean slate to have Danny Rose gone um for loan deals um it's good to see Parrot going out like I mentioned them um, to Millwall that should be great for his development and I have no doubt that he'd be successful there and obviously Oliver Skip gone to Norwich for the season um I think that'd be great for his development he's obviously gotten some first team minutes and he played really well in his opportunities, so I think we should see a great development from him this season in the championship, and hopefully he can come back into the fold next year a little bit more polished and a bit more composed. Um, yeah. So moving on to um, 
how the squad is at the moment. So, you know, of course, we've gone through the transfers now. And like I said, I think that for the most part, it's been positive. Although we still believe we can add a few more players here and there. I think the transfers have been a success um, this year and have added an awful lot to our squad. Um, so if we're looking at the squad depth for this season, you know, we, we're going to have a long run now in the Europa League. We have two qualifying rounds before we even hit it. And of course, the Europa League is a longer um, competition than the Champions League. Um, and an awful lot more traveling um, further, further into Europe. So, you know, we have that. We have the Carabao Cup. We have the FA Cup. And of course, a, a very condensed Premier League season. So we need the depth. We need experience. We need leaders. So I think when you look at the goalkeeping, we're grand in that department. You know, obviously Hugo as our number one. And then uh, Gazaniga and Hart, depending on which way you want to order that. But at the end of the day, having them three goalkeepers at, at our disposal is uh, is really good. Um. At right back, I, I believe we're solid. We obviously the introduction of Matt Doherty. We have Serge Aurier, who do you know? Yeah, we have complained about him in the past. But if you have Serge Aurier as your backup right back, I think you're in um you're in a good position. And then of course we have one fight who can play at right back. We have Jaffet that can play at right back, and also Gedson Fernandez, who I think we've seen a couple of times in preseason playing at right back. I don't think he's played too well, but. At least we know he's an option. Even you could probably throw Sissoko in there if you wanted to. Um, I send the back, I believe, are sorted. Um, obviously we have Toby, um, Davinson Sanchez, Eric Dyer, one fight, Jaffet. Um, do you know? Obviously we've lost for Tongan this year, and he's he's been my he's been a, an idol for me. Um, growing up as Spurs, so he's a big loss. But you know, when you look there, you have. You have five capable centre backs, including leaders, including youth, including ones in the middle. So, I think uh, we're sorted in that department as well. Um, like I mentioned, that left back, I feel like we need an improvement. Um, we have Davis, who um, he has been good on his day. Um, but if he's if Jose is favouring Sesson Young forward or forward, I don't know whether we can rely on Sesson Young as a second option. Um, at left back, and then of course you have Dennis Kirk and um. I don't know whether the plan is for him to be sent out on loan or whether to stay with the first team and develop there, but at least he's um, in the left-back options as well. Um, for defensive midfielders and centre midfielders, I believe, again, we're solid as well. You know, you're looking at um, Harry Winks, Musa Sissoko, uh, Hoybier, Dombele, Dyer, Lochelto, Ali and Gedson. Um, you know, some of them offering hold midfielder positions, some of them um a little bit more forward or forwards, or what likes of uh, Lochelso and Ali, but Cancel playing right in the center. Um yeah, I think with all them midfielders there, I think you can Jose has a few different styles um he can um mess with and he can tamper with. So depending on you know what the opponent is or how the game is going, you definitely can't mess around there with um how we line out when you're looking at our attacking options and maybe even a little for our wide with our wings we have uh lo Celso, ali lamella son lucas bergvine Sesson young and clark um again similar to it was kirken i don't know what the plan is for clark to go back out on loan of course you know he was with leeds for the first half of last year and then qpr not getting many minutes at qpr might i add but um yeah, I don't really know what the plans are for him. 
But um, you know, of course, we still have Lamella there who can uh be a little dog when you need him to be, and he can get in and uh do the dirty work, create a little bit of a spark in the midfield. Um, Lochelto and Ali, of course, you know, I want Ali to step up this year, and then you know, Son Lucas and Bergvine. Um, I think the three of them are going to be superb this year, especially Son and Bergvine. And again, you know, striker. Um, we have Kane as our only natural striker with Son and Lucas as potential backups, but I'd quite like to have a second natural striker on the line in the lineup. So, you know, fingers crossed that works out for itself and that we do get somebody in before the end of the window. It just would have been nice to have them in before the start of the season. So, you know, that's as far as we got with depth. And I do believe, like I said, that we are sort as far as depth and players there. Um, the only thing I'd know is we need a left back and a striker. So, fingers crossed that uh, we can get somebody in there. Do you know, we have a tough season ahead, um, like, I, like I've already mentioned. And that even includes a congested fig- fixture list to start the season. Do you know, like we're... We start everything this Sunday and then we're already straight into our away games in the Europa League on Thursday. So, you know, it's going to be mentally t- tough. It's going to be physically tough. And we need our leaders. So, you know, when you look at the dressing room, you're saying, well, Kane can stand up. You go, Toby. Um, we even seen in the documentary about, like, uh, Moussa Sissoko being a big dressing room presence. And, of course, uh, Hoybier had him there as a Premier League captain. And, I think they all need to be strong and they all need to be there for the team and especially for the younger players there. Um, they need to be the leaders. They need to be uh, keep the mental toughness there and kind of lead this team now for the season. And I have full faith that they will. A lot of strong personalities there, but um, it's a cohesive unit and it's a, it's a family almost. So fingers crossed they, um, they can lead this team this year. I believe we have enough youth in the team. We have enough leaders. We have enough players. It's it's just the left back and the striker, really. And then I think the squad is ready to go. So, you know, fingers crossed we can get somebody in. But moving on to expectations then. And this is where we'll finish up our season preview. Um, I've said it, I've said it plenty of times now. It, it's going to be a tough season. Um... But at the same time, I still have full faith in this squad and I believe we can be successful this year. Um, but September and October will set the tone for this season. But we have to remember that the season is only going to be starting. So, you know, we have we have a lot of games coming thick and fast between September and October, heading even after, even as far after as the international break. Um, so we need... We need to kind of be on top of that from the start, get as many wins, as many stay in as many competitions as we can early on, and let that set the tone for the season. You know, can kind of continue as we or start as we mean to go on. Um, but at the same time, not getting too ahead of ourselves. You know, just once we get through September and October, there's no point in saying, "Oh well, you know, we're grand now." Whether that's after winning or whether that's after losing, you know, we still need to continue on. But I'd quite like us to start off on the right foot and like I said get as many points as we can in the Premier League as well as staying in the Europa League and the Carabao Cup Um, as far as expectations go though for the Premier League top four has to be a minimum 
um we need Champions League football. Um that's how you succeed as a club financially, that's how you attract the bigger players. And ultimately, that's what you want to be winning at the end of the day is the Champions League. So top four has to be a priority and it has to be a minimum for the club. We need to be in the top four to consider the season anyway um, successful. Um, for the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup, I'd expect and hope for a deep run in both with at least one trophy. And to be honest with you, I don't mind whether that's the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup. Um I would just like to see deep runs. I'd like some of the youths to come in um, and get their opportunity in the cup as before, but not throwing it away either, and um, not just playing our weakest team and resting players. I just want a bit of development. I want, um, you know, you you want success, and I'm not gonna look down my nose at any of these trophies. We haven't won a trophy since 2008, and the last one being a Carling Cup, so. I'd want, like I said, a deep run in both, and I want to come away with at least one of them trophies to um to be successful. And then the Europa League, um, I fully believe with the correct rotations, uh, a little bit of luck depending on um how far away we're drawn in the later rounds and the correct preparation, I think we can win the whole thing. Um, especially nothing short of a final. Anyways, you know it's the competition where we should be. On paper, we're a Champions League team um, in terms of our manager and our players. Um, so we should be the best team in the competition. Of course, you know, the third place teams in the Champions League will then filter into the competition in the later rounds. But at the same time, that shouldn't affect us too much. You know, we're, we'll still be one of the strongest teams at that stage. So I'd expect us and I'd want us to win the whole thing. And, you know, that's that's then a European trophy, which will be a massive success. You know, I don't think any of our fans will be giving out about winning a Europa League. It'll be huge for the club. But then also it's, it guarantees that Champions League qualification as well if something were to go wrong in the Premier League. So I'd, I'd really like uh, us to win the Europa League as well. Um, I think as far as expect expectations in the team itself, I'd want an awful lot of our... Well, not an awful lot. I'd want some of our players to really step up. Um, and, you know, I kind of touched on a few of them earlier, but, you know, like Deli Ali, I'd, I want to see more from him this year. I want him to be more aggressive. I want to get that that talent that we had them couple of seasons ago. I need that back. We need that back. Um, I need Eric Dyer to be consistent. I think he played his role excellently um, towards the back end of last season. So we need to see more of that. Of course, Serge Aurier, he won't be the starting right back now, which means the minutes we see in the appearances will be a lot, a lot less. So I'd hope that we'd see some better performances from him. Um, we don't need to run into any inconsistencies. And, you know, like, and, you know the rotation players are going to be just as important as the first team players um, when you look at how tough our schedule is going to be. And then, of course... Uh, Tangy and Dombelly, um, he has bags of potential, and I think he has so much to offer us. Um, so if he can, if he can figure out what he needs to do at the club and just kind of make himself comfortable and stabilize himself at the club, 
I think he's going to be an excellent, an excellent player for us. And, you know, we should see him improve and stay consistent as the seasons go on. You know, of course, Kane, Son and Lucas need to stay in form all year um, and hopefully stay fit. You know, it's it's understated how important they are to the club. Um, you know, obviously we've seen, we've obviously missed Kane at times um, over the last few years. We've missed Son and, you know, even at, at times, you know, Lucas can pop up when you need a most most <laughs> notable example being Ajax. And I think their contributions to the team are vital. So, you know, keeping them fit and healthy and keeping them informed for the season should be um should be a priority. And of course, you know, it goes without saying Josie needs to avoid burning these players out. And I feel like we have enough players at our disposal that he can make the right rotations and avoid playing maybe the same player um every game within a 20-day stretch if he needs to rotate some of the players or maybe even just put some some players on minute restrictions or maybe it's 55 minutes 60 minutes a game just to make sure we don't run into boring our injuries so early on the season um i do feel like we need to pace ourselves a little bit so you know, I think if Jose becomes a little bit aware of that, and I, I'm sure he is, especially, you know, we talked about already that the schedule is causing problems for him. So, you know, I, I really hope we don't run into that soon. Or if that happens towards the back end of the season, you can say, right, that's expected to happen with so many games, but I hope it doesn't happen so early on. And I think one of the most important things we can do this year is um is making White Hart Lane a fortress. You know, I think that's difficult, not just for Spurs, but for any of the teams that play well off the back of their fan support and off the noise. And, you know, of course, we were still only getting accustomed to our new stage and when um when this all happened. And like I said, that is a little bit more difficult for a club like Spurs because, you know, we know we can get behind our players and we know that we sometimes can be the 12th man. Um. So I think if the players can figure out a way of putting that to one side and making their home stage and making White Hart Lane a fortress like it once was, I think that should make life a little bit easier on us and it should be one of the factors in our in our hopefully in our success at the end of the season. So <laughs> so I suppose to sum up. I want two trophies and top four. <laughs> uh, no, like I, at this stage, no, that's what every fan wants. We we want uh, we want silverware. We want cup runs. We want some reason for us to be excited. And I think making those runs in competitions like the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup is going to do that. And I fully believe we're capable of winning the Europa League. And I think every other fan should be feeling that way as well. Because, like I said, we have the talent and the manager on paper of a Champions League world-class team. So the fact that we're in the Europa League, you know, it should be, it should be not easy, but it should be more than uh, in our reach for us. So that's all for me for today. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, like I said earlier on and yesterday, I'm 
I'm hoping this episode kind of just sets the tone of this podcast going forward. And of, of course, I wanted to wrap up where I left off last time and kind of just finish off finish off the season. Um, and, you know, like I think it was good to kind of recap that and hopefully see what, <laughs> see kind of side by side what type of roller coaster we were on last year and where we hope to be this year um, in terms of success and hopefully silverware. But um yeah, so you know, let me know how you feel. Um do my expectations kind of line up with how you are feeling for the season? Um do you think I've kind of set the bar too high, too low? Do you think we should be doing better than what we are? Um you know, let me know. Um like I said, I encourage engagement and feedback, criticism, you know, I, I welcome it all. So reach out to me, no matter whether you know me personally, obviously through WhatsApp, Facebook, whatever it may be, and do you know if any of my other listeners uh reach out to me on Twitter? Um, like I said yesterday, um I do have a Twitter page for this podcast, but I kind of was finding it difficult managing um my personal account as well as the podcast account for di- or the account for this and for my basketball podcast. So I probably will merge them all with my personal account and probably just make a slight change um to the way it's presented. So yeah, you know, like reach out to me, let me know what you think. Um I do have more episodes in the pipeline. Um I'm actually planning on having two episodes next week. Maybe it might be one on one. Um we'll see how it is. But yeah, so like once again, thanks very much for listening. Uh thanks very much for the support and I hope you've enjoyed this episode. See you soon, lads. <laughs>